Welcome to Cloudlandia, Mr. Sullivan. Ah, uh, Mr. Jackson. Here uh, we are. I sent, I sent you something. That, uh, unfortunately, I sent it, and then I realized I hadn't uh, could, uh, provided the link to the thing that I wanted you to see. So you'll probably oh my goodness. You'll probably look at it after uh, you know after we're finished here today. But I came across it. <laughs> Actually, I was listening to Pandora, and I was a uh, really great song and i and i went over and i looked up who the singer was and it was chuck berry with a song you can you never can tell and uh you know what's so great about it is um uh, i uh i left the music playing because babs was listening to it so i mm -hmm. went to my laptop and i put on my headphones and i went to youtube and i found a really really great uh youtube video of Quite a young Chuck Berry, you know, like, uh -huh. uh, you know, like 60s uh, Chuck Berry. And it was just yeah. really, really great. And then, on the, you know, when you go on YouTube, you get uh, suggested you know, videos. Yeah, yeah. You get there's a there, there's endless numbers of tracks you could follow through. So I was just going through and I hit Willie Nelson and I hit uh, Roy Orbison. And then I came across this really really strange video and <clears throat> and it's uh vladimir putin singing i found my thrill on blueberry hill and it's actually <laughs> vladimir, vladimir putin with like a russian orchestra behind it and uh and he's singing with somebody else he's got you know some other singers to fill it in for him right and i and i said oh this is a Mainland Cloudlandia crossover son. Oh, there you go. That's so funny. I said, Oh, this is really creepy. This is really, really creepy. And I said, This be like Hitler singing somewhere over the rainbow. You know, it'd be like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. Yeah. So, oh, I can't wait anyway. to see it now. That's funny. I haven't seen. I haven't even looked at my emails uh, today. Which yeah, is great. So, yeah, that's so. Funny. I went back and correct. I went back and corrected the first email, so I sent okay. it again with with the link. So yeah, oh, you'll perfect. be able to enjoy it. But it um, um, it kind of shows you how you can combine wor worlds these days. Oh man, exactly. Yeah, this is just. Uh, I had a really great. And it's one of the things I wanted to talk about today, actually, is I found a really great YouTube find that was totally in support of the the VCR and Who Not How. And it was mm -hmm. uh, Quentin Tarantino. And uh, this was uh, Evan Carmichael actually put this video together. Uh, mm -hmm. He sometimes puts together like, top 10 lessons from different, uh, you know, famous people kind of thing. And one of the ones uh, from Quentin Tarantino was explain your vision. That was one of the uh, things. And he tells Charlie Rose this story about a lunch kind of encounter he had with uh, a director, uh, Terry Gilliam at Sundance. 
And he was saying to Charlie that this was young in his career, just done Reservoir Dogs, his first um, movie. Mm-hmm. And he was saying to uh, to Terry, uh, Terrence uh, Gilliam, that he was struggling. He said, I've got these visions for what I want to do in my movies. And you have a very, you know, you clearly have a vision and it's right there on the screen. And he said, how are you able to get your, how do you do that? How do you get your vision onto the screen? And, you know, thinking at the time that he needed to know some technical piece of information or some, uh, you know, there's some secret to it. And, and Terry said to him, he said, well, as a director, he said, you don't have to know how to do that stuff. You can hire people to do mm-hmm. that. <laughs> he said, you yeah. can hire a director of photography, a cinematographer who can put your knows how to do to get the right effect or to get the right uh, thing. You can hire a costume director to make the, you know, uh, your make the uh, costumes, the wardrobes as, you know, fancy or, or not as you want. You can make get lighting people who know how to do all of these things. He said, you don't have to know any of that. What you have to do is you have to get really good at explaining your vision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought it's exactly what we've been saying that the key to mm-hmm. the key to who, not how is becoming, I've been calling it practicing the art of whatsmanship, you know, being able mm-hmm. to describe what you want. And mm-hmm. uh, so Quentin said that was the big unlock for him. Mm-hmm. That for him, he said, when he realized that it wasn't this shamanistic ritual that he had to perform or this thing, these these sets of technical hurdles that he had to overcome, it was just immediately unlocked for him. And he was mm-hmm. just excited about it because he said, I can explain my vision. I'm really good at that. <laughs> so it's just uh, finding the, the people to... Uh, explain it to and that was the big uh, that was the big difference for him yeah i uh, you know i've uh, i made uh, great headway during the last quarter um with the new uh, thinking process certainty uncertainty mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, it it seems to me that i've found the bridge that takes people from the 10 times uh, ambition program and strategic coach to the free zone. And, um, I, uh, so what we're doing now is that we're putting down little workshops for people who say, you know, I'd like to know more about that free zone program mm-hmm. that you got. And we said, okay, well, we're going to do a little two hour workshop. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was on we'll have those. Oh, you I were, mean- uh, you were on it. You were on it. Yeah. Of course, mm-hmm. you, were, uh, you were on it. Yeah. Yeah. You and, um, Steve Kreisberg, right? yeah, and uh, but we had them do the uh, um, certainty uncertainty um, thing, and I was in a group where everybody just instantly got 
that the kind of conversation you can have where you let people know the possibility, this what you're certain about and what you're not certain about, and then say, you know, I'm just putting this out there. Do you know anything? Mm-hmm. And uh, immediately people bombard you with connections and suggestions, and I know so-and-so, and this seems connected to something I know. And whereas if you just tell people about your certainty, nobody nobody offers anything because you're certain. Yes. And uh, so what I did is um, then I had uh, on Tuesday, I, I, I had a, uh, not on Tuesday because uh, I think that was the free zone, the free zone. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was yeah. on uh Thursday, I had um, somebody who was in the 10 times. It's uh, a lawyer, a woman in uh, Toronto that I've known for 20 years. And, uh, you know, she's in the 10 times program. And I was in a breakout group with her during Thursday's workshop. And uh, it came up that uh, I said, oh, I know a whole bunch of people can help you with that. And I said, are you? Could you free up tomorrow morning? Because at eight o'clock tomorrow morning, we're going to have a free zone connector call. And mm-hmm. she said, yeah, 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 I'd be able to. Well, we'll invite you to it. And I've got a new, you know, I've got a new thinking process that I've created for it. So you'll go through with uh, the free zoners and you'll do a thinking process. And uh, the thinking process is why you're a great who. In other words, instead of, saying the great who's you need, mm-hmm. identify that you're a great who. In other words, uh, if someone else was doing something, I, I would be a good person to talk to about this. Yes. Okay, so that, that would be the thing. So we did that. And then uh, in the second hour, so we did an hour, we did the thinking process, we did the breakout group. And then we took, you know, two or three minute break and we came back and I said, now I've got Kate, uh, uh, Kate Dewhurst here and Kate is going to read through her um, certainty uncertainty workshop and she's going to tell you what she's thinking about. And what it is, is that she's developed the whole approach to um, medical privacy as the law supports it. And she's really done well in Ontario, in the province of Ontario, uh, where Toronto is. But she said, I now, want, I now know that I've got 90% that w- would be good for any jurisdiction in Canada or the United States. And uh, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to go national, and then I'd like to go North American-wide with it. And then I just had the free zone participants. We had about eight um and they just bombarded her with this. Well, first of all, you said you should back up a little and just identify um, who, the, who the people are you already have that would love to work with you on your project. And, you know, and I know a video person who can do short videos for you and so on. You know, there was about mm-hmm. 20 different suggestions. And uh, and I got to the end of it, and I said, you know, this is really great. We've tra- finally cracked the code on how people immediately will have the experience of collaboration simply yeah. because they're willing to communicate their uncertainties. Yes. Wow, that's really something. You know yeah. what I think? 
happens is this ties into um, on Wednesday, I did a uh, the I Love Marketing Zoom, um, mm-hmm. we do the live Zoom with Robert Cialdini, the mm-hmm. author of yeah. Influence. Yeah. yeah. And my, so, uh, my team, a lot of my team members. It was so good. <laughs> it was really good. Watched, yeah. watched it. Yeah. And he has developed, um, you know, a new uh, factor of, of influence to go with the original six. And the seventh is what he calls unity, meaning we're <clears throat> on the same side of something, right? That that's a factor of influence. And the way he describes it, what you're saying um, the one of the examples he gave was that the difference between asking someone for an opinion versus asking someone for advice. Yep. Advice creates unity that now, mm-hmm. and it reminded me, I read years ago, Claude Hopkins, uh, my life in advertising. And mm-hmm. one of the stories that they tell was, you know, his, uh, you know, he was selling Cotillene or some such uh, lard from the back in the day. And the Boston office was having a hard time selling to the commercial bakers. And mm-hmm. he, they, he said, well, uh, the company, they sent him out there to, to settle it kind of thing, see what's up. <clears throat> and so he went into the largest, you know, the, the, biggest uh commercial baker in the um in the uh in the city and along with the sales head from from boston and said show me somebody you can't sell <laughs> and he <laughs> they went into them and he brought with him uh he, he you know introduced himself and he said i'm the advertising manager for for Cotillene, and i brought this illustration with me and so back in the day they didn't use photography they were using you know painted uh signs kind of they're painted uh, Mm -hmm. um portrait things and so he said now and he set it up and they stepped back and he said you know this is meant to be the the perfect pie that's what this is meant to represent so the crust and everything is supposed to, and I'd love to get your advice on how to, you know, make this, make sure this really represents the best pie. And the guy, you know, all of a sudden now he's on the same side of the, um, of the desk as, uh, as Claude in a way, right? Same side of the team where (laughs) it's, you know, we're, we're, I mean, I mean, I'm recruiting you to help me make sure that this is conveying the message that we want to convey. And the, uh, you know, as opposed to asking his opinion and I, Robert and I talked about this. Um, I told him that story and we were talking about the idea of asking for someone's opinion almost puts you if he'd asked for his opinion, he would have been asking for his opinion as a baker representing all the bakers behind him. 
kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Saying, if I can win you, then I win the others. But now bringing him over to his side and asking for his advice changes the tone of the mm-hmm. collaboration now that you and I together are collaborating with everything, with what you're certain about and what I'm certain about the way you say this now. It makes sense. Yeah. There's a, it's a mm-hmm. really important um, distinction of influence. Getting somebody. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that I found, the thing that I found, I found the blockage that prevents entrepreneurs from doing this. In other words, uh, from entrepreneurs saying, "Here's four or five things. I've got, I'm, I've got a, this new possibility, and I think it'll be amazing if we can pull it off." And I've got five things to kind of support where we're going, but I've also got five things that I just don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, right. I don't know if this is really possible. And um, I said, what I think it does is it separates, um, and this is very worrisome for entrepreneurs, that if I say I'm uncertain, that means I'm not a confident entrepreneur. Right. Said, That's exactly and I. And I said, no, it doesn't, it doesn't say that at all. What it means is that you're actually a confident entrepreneur because you, you can say, you know, I deal with taking things that are uncertain and turning them into certainty. That's what my business is. And I'm, I'm just in a project right now, and I want to tell you what I figured out about this. So this is the, this is the vision of this. I mean, if we pulled this off, this is really big. And we got a lot of evidence that mm-hmm. uh, would support it when that's allowed me to do to is just to un- identify everything that's uncertain which is beyond my expertise and i just want to so i've really uh, i've really nailed down what's inside my expertise and i'm really confident about this but that's allowed me now to identify all the things that i don't know all the resources i don't have the capabilities i don't have so uh can 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 you think about this and tell me you know some mm-hmm. ways that you know that already exist that I don't know uh, that would uh, enable me to move forward on this? Yeah, isn't that something? And then immediately, if you're if if you look, you're immediately going to be sharing from your bank of certainty. <laughs> Excuse me, and your then your capabilities that could add to this will be um, illuminated. That's mm-hmm. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the thing about it, I said, here's my goal for a year from now. So this was on Thursday when I did the certainty uncertainty and I had about 50 and I had about 50, um, 10 times entrepreneurs. And I said, here's my, uh, here's my, um, um, goal for you that a year from now and you've had a year of actually um uh, expressing your uh, things that you're excited about in this particular thinking process so you write down what the possibility is you write down everything that's certain about it and then you write everything that's uncertain a year from now when you're only certain about something you feel very vulnerable but when you see both sides, both the certainty and the uncertainty, you feel very confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's especially when you feel when you're 
you know, in a collaboration where one of your uncertainties was just checked on a box into, uh, into certainty. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, um, then, yeah, then you is, know, then mm-hmm. I said, now let's fall back and look at who, not how. So on the certainty column, do you have who's who could just take now what you know is true and run with it? In yeah. other words, we can make real progress. And on the uncertainty side, uh, then you're looking for who's who really have a handle on something that you don't. You know, they, really yeah. have that. You know, they, yeah. they do that. So I said, maybe the only thing you have to do is write this sheet and tell a lot of people about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, I mean, it's kind of, um, I love, you know, and it fits so perfectly in with this, uh, you know, along with the guideline of what are you certain and uncertain about this? What what do you have and not have? What do you, uh, you, because that's ultimately what would come out of that, I guess, then is what, what do you have? What do you not have? Where we looked at the idea of, um, you know, we did the exercise in the free zone of your free, your, uh, your VCR assets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I've done, you know, I mean, when I look back over close to 77 years, let's say I'm looking back 70 years because, uh, you know, there's an, uh, there's a, First four or five years are really unconscious, you know. I don't. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I really don't have a lot of the wonder, uh, memory yeah. memory uh-huh. about it. But uh, but I've got at least seventy years in when I can look at um, how I went about things. And I, I yeah. just uh, I would say twenty of those years I was doing unnecessary work. Unnecessary what? Work. Oh yeah, right. Because mm-hmm. I was trying to do it all on my own. Yeah, you were trying to be a self-milking cow. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right, milking yourself and pasteurizing it and take it to market, all of it. But it all, but it all curdled. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it all. It wasn't curdled. even good. It wasn't even good cottage cheese when I got finished with it. It was like. Uh, um, beyond expiry date cottage cheese, you know. You, you know what's it. funny yeah. though, Dan, is I, I, when I was explaining the concept of the self-milking cow at first, um, I mean, the very first time I explained it, I was talking with Eben Pagan, uh, because it all came to me very, um, you know, just in a twilight. I, I, I traveled from, I was in the UK. I'd come back to, I was in uh, South Carolina and uh, at Kiowa Island with some friends. We were going to have some golf uh, time. And, you know, I was still on London time, so I was waking up um, early. But when I was explaining the concept to Eben, we were contrasting it with a, you know, in in the dairy world, in the real world. You know, a farmer would need a hundred cows to have a viable dairy operation. And, but in the cash cow world, the idea cow world, where your ideas are 
the milk that flows from the brain of the creative cow, the visionary cow. Um, one cow can support a hundred farmers. And that's, mm -hmm. I used you, I used you as the example. Because you think about that is that strategic coach is largely an organization that is, you know, um, you're the cow for strategic coach in terms of mm -hmm. all of the IP, all the intellectual property, the workshops, all of the things come out of your udders. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> the one that... <laughs> that mm -hmm. you're you're doing that but as soon but you've got this entire team of farmers this whole mm -hmm. farm operation that is 100% suited over 100 people all taking and multiplying the uh the milk that you're creating yeah yeah, I mean, you really get the feel of that because, um, you know, I can look at uh, the calendar. So we have a calendar that's just workshops that are being given that day. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and I've had days where I was doing a workshop and six other American coaches were also doing a workshop that day. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, somewhere, somewhere, you know, and now it's even uh, nowhere because it's... <laughs> Right. Some of the workshops are virtual, virtual workshops. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, uh, I take that as part of my capability that, you know, in the early days, uh, if I did a workshop, it was one person at that person's office, you know, going back to mm -hmm. the 80s. And now I can say I'm putting in about the same amount of effort and I'm doing a workshop. And uh, first of all, I've got uh, 50 people in the workshop world. Yeah. In the 80s, I had one person sitting yeah. in that person's office. But not only that, we have six other events going. Um, and let's say it's an average of 35, so it's another 210 individuals who are being coached. Mm -hmm. Okay. What, uh, you know, during the same day, that it used to take me the whole day to work with one person. Now we're working with close to 300 people. And, but here's uh, the, the interesting thing is they're not doing original workshops. They're doing the wake of an original, you know, they're doing the uh, workshop that you've already yeah. established. That's mm -hmm. the, when you made the original milk, that's create, you know, it's running through and getting pasteurized and, homogenized so that other uh you can other people can do the same yeah. uh, the same work yeah, the the interesting thing though is uh what i've discovered is that if i can confine myself simply to putting uh, uh open-ended questions in a um you know in in a design process you know, mm -hmm. in other words, it's the eight and a half by eleven Mm -hmm. What's on the sheet are open-ended questions. Yes. You know? And uh, therefore, there is going to be original answers. Uh, being well, you made, that's how you make, that's how every, that's how thousands of people can have a perfectly suited workshop experience. <laughs> yeah. 
because every that tool is you're bringing your own content to it. Mm-hmm. Their their yeah. their their experience, their knowledge, you know, their yeah. insights, their decisions, and everything. And uh, so, consequently, um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, more and more, I'm just uh, I, I've identified uh, the ability to ask open-ended questions yeah um where you don't have the answer you don't have the you have the question right right you know that the other person has the experience so that they can formulate uh an answer for themselves those are great things i often ask people what would you do if you only got paid if you get a result that's Mm an open-ended question that everybody that immediately shines a light on the thing that they're most confident about. That's mm-hmm. the thing that mm-hmm. their their unique ability is, right? And that's the mm-hmm. um, that's a really great starting point. Immediate clarity for people. Yeah, and, questions and, uh, are the that, answers. You know, uh, it reminded me of something I wanted to bring up with you today. It seems to me that uh, Zoom is an infinitely more creative and powerful social media platform than all the other social platforms put together. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an interesting, it's not, um, I wonder how is it, how's it's different than us <laughs> because it's generally, I don't know. I look at zoom. No, let me, let me tell uh-huh. you why I think it's different. Um, uh, First of all, uh, I think that when you have a Zoom meeting, it's for a purpose, okay, and that you've, um, uh, you know, you've screened who you want to be on. It's not like you're just putting out a message to the universe and then anybody can respond to it. You've already identified uh, and kind of filtered and qualified the individuals who are going to be in the in the zoom event okay and then the way that i you know the way that we do it here at strategic coach and the way that you do it uh, with your breakthrough blueprint is that you have a lot of questions you have a lot of questions Mm -hmm. but you systematize the questions and you have sort of an inkling if i put the questions in this order yeah they're gonna they're gonna create some original um uh answers and then if I get them to do a second answer, their brain is immediately going to start connecting their answers. And they're actually creating kind of an algorithm for themselves. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what their experience is. I don't know what their answers are. But more than that, I don't need to know because it's only they who need to know what the answers are. Answers mm-hmm. are. And nice. uh, the, the other thing is that some of the most creative work is done in the breakout groups, which are not recorded. You know, they're not, yeah. they're, yeah. they're not, they're not recorded and people uh, feel, you know, inside this, uh, in our case, mostly 20 minutes, five minutes for four people mm-hmm. um, that uh, they can talk about anything they want to. And that was just their conversation. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if I'm on one of the other social media platforms, they they are recording everything and they're trying to connect it to 
something that somebody can sell to you as a result of what you said. Oh, right. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So it's how you use it that turns it, that makes it that way. Uh Yeah. But I think that every, you know, um, look at your events that what happens in one of your, you know, one of your um, uh, breakthrough blueprint workshops is an incredible new things get created that day yeah where people see a new path of action they see new connections they see oh i got to make a decision here and everything like that and Mm -hmm. that's their doing in response to your questions right that that, i don't think that happens i don't think that happens on the other social media platforms Mm -hmm. no i think you're right I think the other, uh, uh, I think the other uh, social media platforms reinforce what people are certain about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like more, more direct, uh, yeah, the echo chamber kind of thing, right? Where you're, yeah, taking cues from other, uh, <laughs> building on other people. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's really interesting. I don't think any new knowledge is being created. You know, my, mm. I mean, people uh, can, you know, they can kind of reflect on what they said and everything else, but then that doesn't get shared with the group. There's no sense of, and I think uh, that's why um, it's boring. It gets boring. Mm. You know, I, I've talked to people. I said, uh, uh, "What's your response to Facebook?" Now, after you've been doing it, I mean, some people have been doing it for many years. And I said, what's your response? And he says, well, there's certain people that I stay in touch with, you know, but we're, you know, we're kind of, you know, talking over the back fence or we're, you know, (laughs) we're giving our friends a call and we're just Mm -hmm. talking about it. But nothing is being created. You know, I I don't get a feeling that the medium and the way it's organized invites any creativity. I think it invites what people's entrenched habits are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that's mm-hmm. my thought about it. Now, I have to tell you, I'm doing this with complete ignorance of social media because I've never been on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an interesting, uh, my first thought when you said it, though, was looking at Zoom as a more as a tool because it doesn't, it's not standalone it's organized like with, um, you know, I, my thought initially, like my reflex thought was the similar to saying, you know, that the workshop spaces like workshop rooms are the, uh, are the thing, but it's not, it's, it's what happens in the room that makes it. Well, I, I, I kind of get a feeling little, little companies are being created. Mm. Say more about that. What do you mean? The- well, uh, I'll stick with your model just to make sure that I'm saying, uh, you know, I'm because um, I have a thought, uh, you know, and uh, this year I will join one of your um, breakthrough blueprint workshops to. Oh, nice! Uh, I like that to thought. get the to get the to get the experience. But my mm-hmm. sense is that you're bringing uh, ambitious, creative and uh, cooperative people together and Mm -hmm. you're giving them a framework for understanding what they're doing you know Mm -hmm. so so that they 
My feeling is that uh, without saying so, that you do a really good job of getting them in touch with what they're certain about in relationship to the eight profit activators. Yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. But they also, there's a border in each of the activators where they're not doing something that they can hear about other. They can hear it from you. They can hear it from your example. Yes, that's the whole, uh, that's exactly the magic of it that they get. They often have the breakthrough by seeing how something works for someone else. Yeah. Because they're, yes. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that the economic value of, so you have, you know, 12, you have a dozen people and you have Mm -hmm. Dean Jackson, so it's 13, that Mm -hmm. in the course from the beginning of each uh, scheduled uh, breakthrough blueprint meeting to the end, the economic value of the combined 13 people has gone up significantly as a result of the structure and the conversations that took Mm -hmm. place. Right. But there's nothing in the outside world that would be able to detect that or know it. Yes, that's true. It's invisible. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the great thing about ideas and and clarity of thinking, right? Like when you, uh, you think about that, like every, I hadn't thought about it the way you're describing it, but you think about every, every free zone workshop or every strategic coach workshop, the impact, like for somebody, something was sparked that's going to be the catalyst for a economic improvement in their world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or their freedoms of time, of money, of yeah. relationship and purpose. Yeah. And a uh, really interesting thing happened on Thursday because we, um, I've had this thought that the, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about non-fungible tokens yeah, uh, you know, in the you know the you know it's been you know a couple months now, and you're, mm-hmm. we're getting that, and then that's uh, associated <laughs> with cryptocurrency, and yeah, then finally yeah. get down, it's it's associated with blockchain, the blockchain, yeah, uh, um, distributed ledger technology, and for me, being a simplifier, I look at the non fungible tokens, and I said, well, th- this kid's letting off fireworks, you know, this is kind of like you know, somebody's got a new, new way. My immediate thought is tulips. That's what I. <laughs> yeah, the tulip this is tulips. <laughs> That's what the I tulip. keep I thinking. Mean, yeah. I, I mean, there were tulip bulbs that were worth the entire economy of Amsterdam. You know, right? As exactly. Long as, as long as you didn't plant them. <laughs> right. As long as you didn't, yeah, it's like the the great tulip. Uh, uh, you know, the, and the bubble, a tulip bubble, yeah. you know, and yeah, yeah. and uh, and and then, uh, you know, cryptocurrency, people say, yeah, oh, cryptocurrency, if you were not into cryptocurrency, you know, you're going to be left behind in the dust. And I said, you know, how is it any different than gold? You know, I mean, it, like uh, Bitcoin, you know, has 21 million, there's like 21 million Bitcoins. And the promise is there will never be more than 21 million, you know. Right. I don't see how that's any different than 
uh, desirable real real estate, and there isn't enough of it. You know, that's uh, it. There's yeah, only I mean, we're going so much oceanfront here. property in Malibu. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 They're selling the scarcity. In other words, you're selling yeah. scarcity. I said, well, people have been selling scarcity forever. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So the fundamental principle. So, and the other thing, it's not a currency. It's a, it's a, an investment. Yeah. Uh, currency. Uh, currency. Um, technically speaking, there's only one currency in the world, and it's. Uh, at this point, at this time uh, in history, it's the U.S. dollar. Right. And the reason the is that. Currency, right. And the reason is every other currency has valuable more or less in relationship to how many U.S. dollars it would get you if you uh, traded yes. it in. Yeah. And I said so. Uh, what the breakthrough is in the world right now is that there's just one currency, and everything else is related to that currency, including all the other investments. But uh, but what really interests me is the underlying technological platform that can take a unique thing and give it um, uh, and actually guarantee that uh, it's the one and only thing that's been created. And we know the owner. We know the, the conditions under which it's been created. And anything else that tries to resemble this is a phony, and we can know that. Uh, much much more quickly, and it verifies legitimacy. It verifies, you know, authenticity, and uh, I think that's that's a, that's a big thing. So I just dropped. Uh, we have a couple of people in Thursday's workshop that I know um, are into um, blockchain, and mm-hmm. so I this one guy. He's a former um, special forces. Uh, officer in the U.S., one of the special forces, 15 years in the special forces, and then he got out. And he's um, really plunged, you know, deeply into Bitcoin. And so we, I said, Pete, and I said, Pete, uh, can you kind of tell everybody what how this what this blockchain is? Because um, I think it's um, of equal importance. I said, first of all, I think it's entirely a product of the internet that that you couldn't do this unless there was a uh, worldwide internet platform but but in itself it uh, seems to me that uh, it's going to move things ahead by 10 times uh, if you can instantly trust whether what a stranger is offering you or what a stranger is claiming is actually true because the bit, the blockchain actually verifies it. And he said, that's absolutely right. And I said, I think I, I said, I think this is a hundred times faster form of intellectual property. And he said, that's exactly right. That's what it is. And I said, the reason I know this is because I brought up this topic with three different, not related to each other, but three different intellectual property lawyers, and they mm-hmm. said, "No, no, no, no! Don't get, don't get involved with this stuff. You know, this is uh, crazy." And I said, "I said the fact that they cut me off so fast tells me there's really something in what I'm saying." There's smoke there. Uh... It's like Sherlock Holmes saying to Doctor Watson, "I point out the instance of the dog barking in the night," and Watson says. There was no dog barking in the night, and Sherlock Holmes says exactly. 
Exactly. Something happened and the dog didn't bark. Why is that? They said. Because the criminal was a friend of the dog. <laughs> the dog recognized it as a, as a uh, friend, not as mm. a, stra- a stranger. So my sense is, um, boy, if you suddenly shift worldwide uh, the intellect- intellectual property protection of original creativity, original innovation, that's yeah. a big deal. That's a big deal. So then in the room, I, this is uh, uh, just to finish off my point. There were four mm-hmm. other people who were independently uh, investigating and getting in touch with some aspect of the blockchain. And uh, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I said, I'm just announcing it to this group. I'm going to create a special workshop on a quarterly basis. And I just have an instant five-person faculty uh, for my first workshop, for my first workshop. And uh, we'll let you know about this. And I said, wouldn't this be a great way for us all to learn that there are people who are actually attending who know this, but if we give the right structure to it and they can explain how they're doing it and telling right. stories, you know, this wasn't possible before, but this is possible now and uh, we can do it. Uh, you know, it seems to me, I'll, I'll tell me something about this fits because it seems to me that the, um, you know, the, the intellectual property, property thing, protections like that, mm-hmm. all of those laws are harkened back to an analog era where yeah. in even property, you know, when uh, real estate was at the, the register, the land registry offices in, in individual counties where you had to go and Registered title in the, the title in, title the, in the book, yeah, the title book, yeah. and yeah. Um, you had to, you know, go all the way back and search the registration of the title uh, all the way to make sure it was a clear chain of of title. And on the blockchain being digital, the interesting thing that happens is when you first digitize something and first make it uh if you're to enter it onto the the ledger kind of thing mm-hmm. is really what that is that there's no disputing because it's yeah. time stamped of when it when it gets in the ledger that you could zoom back and look at the film and this idea or this concept or this expression was first entered into the ledger on this date at this time mm-hmm. that's a, that's really and they declared ownership of it at that time that's an, yeah, yeah. that that seems to me that that's really what the blockchain can do yeah and, and it's just that it, it can be the title to anything yeah uh, something something that you just created five minutes ago mm-hmm. you can get the title title for it so uh and the reason why I'm thinking it is that what has made the mainland prosperous, and it's mainly uh, the prosperity in the world. There really was never prosperity in the world uh, until um, starting around the 1300s, 1400s. Uh, I mean, there were people who controlled large amounts of land, you know, but they did through force of arms. Um, and starting around 1300s and 1400s, um, 
uh, in northern Europe. So these would be northern Germany, parts of Scandinavia, um, Denmark, Holland, and then the British Isles, especially the, the British Isles. Um, private property started to become a really, really big thing, and they had what we would consider fairly up-to-date ways of measuring and um, uh, measuring and recording and, um, you know, putting it in the book, as you, as you said. And uh, my feeling is all of a sudden, once you have this authenticizing of private property, the, the economy uh, takes off. The economy, mm-hmm. the British Isle, uh, takes it off. And the United States, of course, uh, is the great example of that because there was so much, there was so much property. Yeah. <laughs> and the Indian, you know, I mean, uh, I have conversations with people. Yeah, but look what they did to the Indians. And he said, uh, mm. he said, he said, you know, they, uh, they didn't catch up with where the world was going because, uh, you know, I remember Tecumseh was a very famous Indian chief, Canadian Indian chief, and uh, he had created the, um, you know, a whole network uh, of affiliated tribes to fight against the uh, um, uh, fight against the French and fight against the the Americans, and and uh, the one of the uh, generals who actually became uh, president, Harrison did a deal with the Miami tribe, which mm-hmm. is kind of Ohio, uh-huh. sort of Ohio. Um, and uh, he bought, you know, they bought like 50,000 acres or 100,000 acres. And uh, and uh, they agreed to it. And the, the money was given to the Indians and they, they, they had it. And it was reported to Tecumseh and he said, well, why didn't they sell the trees? Why didn't they sell the clouds? Why didn't they sell the wind? Right. Because he wasn't grasping. He wasn't really grasping what was happening, you know. And uh, and why are these white people coming? And he said, because uh, if, if we can take your land away from you, they own it. <laughs> that's, mm, why that's, that's, why, that's why they're coming. So yeah. property is really... Uh, you don't get any sense of personal progress and personal achievement unless the property that you create is authenticated, validated, and protected. Mm-hmm. That brings to my mind, Dan, the idea we've been talking about this migration to Cloudlandia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when you were talking about them buying 100,000 acres. I realized in Cloudlandia, the land is free. That you, if you buy a domain name, that'd be mm-hmm. like you're staking your claim. And when yeah. you throw your your domain is strategiccoach.com, mm-hmm. that you now can make Strategic Coach as big as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's, it's virtually free. Amazon.com yeah. started out that same way drudge report yeah um, and so your the domain name is the staking your claim this this area here is mine yeah. this is where i'm gonna house everything but it's unlimited what you can do um within that and by the way dan i have to tell you i had a 
23 year pursuit come true this week. I have been waiting for a particular domain name for 23 years. <laughs> and it became available. And I bought it. I am the new proud owner of moneymakingmarketing.com. Oh, that's great. That's a great name. Yeah, it does M -M -M. what it says on the tin. MMM. -M -M. Money-making marketing. Yeah. Because you can't say those words and not know what that's about. Yeah. But it also gives me, I've been looking and waiting for a name that is suitable to build a uh, outside of Dean Jackson brand around. Because basically my whole thing has really been about my personal brand is what, what drives everything and all the things are, you know, my breakthrough blueprint and my <laughs> 90 minute books is a separate company type of yeah. thing. But, but money making marketing is the, hey, that, like it, my strategic coach. I could have other people. It, it literally trips off the tongue. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm so like, this is a new no, era. This is, this yeah, is the beginning great. now. Yeah. yeah. This, this, you just got titled to a quadrillion acres. <laughs> That's exactly right. The Louisiana Purchase. <laughs> Can I tell you something about the Louisiana Purchase? Yeah, I'd love that. 1803, so that's when they paid. Uh, I love oh, your your grasp of history. Yeah, is uh, 15, $15 million dollars. The emperor Napoleon. Yeah. This is 15 million dollars in 1803 dollars. If you brought the dollar forward from 1803 to 2021, uh, and said, "Well, in today's dollars, how much did they pay per acre?" Today it's fifty cents an acre. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's probably the biggest legal land purchase in the history of the world. You know, seventeen states, yeah. so seventeen American states, and they're really good states. I mean, you can do yeah. anything with uh, you can do anything with those states. You know, yeah, and uh, and uh, uh, you know the one of the uh, ambassadors was John Jay. John Jay, yeah. um, uh, you know, is a very prominent person. Uh, he's a founding father, and uh, he's one of the authors, not a major author, of a thing called the Federalist Papers, which were the yeah. discussion pieces. And uh, so they got back, and they had absolutely no permission. They had absolutely no authority to sign the deal with Napoleon. And mm -hmm. uh, they got back, and Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, was the president. And he says, well, he says... Uh, I think he says, we're just going to take advantage of a little opportunity here and we're going to get it immediately validated by the, by the House of Representatives and the Senate, which you have to do with deals like that. And everybody just, you know, I mean, if there's one thing the American uh, founders understood, they, they understood real estate, you know, they, 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 yeah. they grasp of real estate, but you're talking about the virtual real estate and this is, um, this is a whole new world, but a lot of what has been discovered about uh, property and property rights and, uh, you know, authenticating boundary lines and everything else is well known. I mean, this is uh, a very, very well known topic. 
All you have to do now is move it across the, across the threshold from mainland to Cloudlandia, and all the same yeah. rules apply. Uh, same rules I've been apply. looking, Dan. This is what um... I mean. Like uh, you could have said, Dean. I've been had my eye on a particular piece of property uh, mm-hmm. next to mine for 23 mm-hmm. years, and it came yeah. up, and now I've got I've got ownership of that piece of land, and it's no different from what you just said. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that so? Isn't that funny? Um, but now what you said also about as I'm the more we think about like this likening of. Cloudlandia as the new land, the new mm-hmm. uh, world that we're all migrating to yeah. from the mainland. My appetite for understanding the evolution of the mainland is increasing. And I've been, uh, you know, it, it's, I, I want to see a, um, you might have a good recommendation actually for a, a documentary or a series on well, I'll tell you, I'll Western tell you the, civilization, basically. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you the person, you know, who's available here in Toronto, who really has a grasp of this is Sasha Kersmer. And, mm, uh, yes, exactly. And Sasha is the, uh, he's probably, probably I, I would say, maybe the number one site surveyor private company in certainly in Toronto, but I think that would make Canada, you know, he mm-hmm. would probably be the number one. And the one thing he has that he's acquired the monopoly for all the um, exact board, uh, boundary specifications of every single piece of real estate in Ontario. Wow. So if you want to find out the exact specifications of the boundaries of the property, that you mm-hmm. own or that you want to acquire, you go to uh, Sasha's website and uh, um, you find it out and they'll send you a thing and they get a piece of money from you looking up your property. That's awesome. Sasha is an innovator. That's the greatest thing. You know, he's also uh, a nine, believe, a nine fa- he's a nine fact finder. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Well, he's actually, if that's the highest fact finder I've ever heard, he's yeah. a, um, he's the, he's the first, I believe the first 90 minute book, um, client when we yeah. started the, uh, the 90 minute book company, we, we yeah. announced it in one of the workshops in, uh, yeah. in the 10 times uh, workshop. He was the first one in line. Yeah, but it's a really uh, it's a really interesting um, thing that uh, that the secret to the internet's future is property. Yes, which is really now content is what's property. Yeah, you yeah. can say. I mean, that's really it. Mm-hmm. Well, creativity is property. You know, creativity yes. is property. You know, yeah. and that's why uh, you know there is these. Um, uh, there are these services now that will um, analyze what you're interested in on the internet, and uh, you know they'll uh, create. Well, Evan's doing this. This is, this is uh, Future Loop, 
Uh, yes, you know, right. Sure. And uh, I said, uh, yeah, but you're using my thinking processes. Um, you're, you're satisfying my need for new um, new information. But what you're capturing is my way of thinking about things. And mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to sell my way of thinking things to other people, and I'm not going to get paid for it. Mm. And my way of thinking about things is very valuable property. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yes, that's exactly true. Me yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's keep our powder dry and keep our, you know, keep our what's really valuable close to the chest for a while. Keep our our powder dry and our conversations lively. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is really really great. I think there's a lot to be talked about on this particular topic. I do too. And we didn't even get to dispersion. This is yeah. a uh, the, yeah. the new era of dispersion. So, okay. All righty. This has been great. I always enjoy this. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be back at the same time. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye, Dan.